Hello, we're looking at a short series on the Bible and this morning it's God's transforming word and we've got a reading from John 17 and beginning at verse 13. I'm coming to you now but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. And that reading is part of a, a prayer of the Lord Jesus before he was arrested. It took place around the time of the Last Supper and it's a wonderful prayer, an insight into who Jesus is, his relationship with the Father and also his love for us as he prays for us, his disciples. Now the target of this message is that we will love Jesus more, as hopefully all sermons aim at, and that we will want to follow him more closely and that we'll realise how important the Bible is to teach us to follow Jesus. Now. There in John 17, verse 13 to 19, the key verse is verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And the key to understand this verse is sanctify. And it's used in two ways in the Bible, and it's used in both senses in this wonderful prayer. To sanctify means to set apart something or someone for a special purpose or task. And it also means to clean something or someone up to change and transform it so that it becomes more clean or, or pure or special. So for example in the olden days uh, people would often have plates and dishes that they would only use on special occasions on Sundays for example or when a special guest came and those plates and dishes were set apart they were sanctified put away in a special cupboard after use and they would be sanctified carefully after they, they had been used, washed up carefully to make sure they weren't dropped and that they were put away clean and safe. And that's an illustration of sanctification, something that is special, something that is sanctified, but also something that is cleaned up. Something is sanctified by its, in practical sense, by it being cleaned up. Now, I'm sure that you're aware that we're looking at uh, the Bible, as you can see from here from what we've said already. Now, what about some Bible facts, maybe for you younger people? The Bible was written in Hebrew, Aramaic and Greek. The Old Testament in Hebrew and Aramaic and the New Testament in Greek. So three languages that have to be translated into English. There are 66 books in one handy library. That's our, our Bible. And it was finished about 100 AD. John the Apostle, who was one of the eyewitnesses of the Lord Jesus, he wrote the, the last book, the book of Revelation. And the Bible is in two main sections. And very briefly and simply, there's the first part, we call it the Old Testament, and it tells us that Jesus is on the way. The New Testament, well, it tells us that Jesus came. We celebrate that and we see how we can trust and follow him. And we see how the New Testament tells us how we can be disciples of Jesus. So those are some Bible facts for you. Now, as I said, the key word in this passage is sanctify and the first heading I would say is Jesus prays that we will be 
transformed by God's word, that we will be transformed by God's word. And that's another way of putting sanctification. Jesus prays for that. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth there in, in verse 17. Jesus is going to die for us. He's going to pay the price that brings us forgiveness and makes us the children of God. He's about to leave the disciples physically and go back to heaven, but he's not leaving them or us without sending his spirit into our hearts. John 14 verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And the Lord is making sure that we have all that we need to be healthy and growing Christians. He wants us to have his joy to the full in our hearts. I say these things, he says, while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Our Lord has given us God's word. Verse 14, I've given them your word. Speaking to, about the Father, I've given them your word. And that word, God's word, has made us different from the rest of people in the world. All those who have truly listened to God's word and are following Jesus are God's. They are sanctified. They are separated to him for a special purpose. None of us deserve that, but that's the reality of what God's word does. The gospel. So now we are God's children. Some people hate us for being disciples of Jesus. Many cannot weigh us up. Even people that respect us find us a bit peculiar. The Lord Jesus, the Son of God, doesn't pray that we become Christians and then get get beamed up to heaven like in Star Trek. We, we're to stay here, to live our lives. And in fact, we're to live our lives here as Jesus would. Now, just imagine if he were living in our town, that he went to your school, that he worked in your factory or office, that he lived in your home, even through the lockdown. Imagine that. Now, Jesus wants us to live our lives as if he were in our school, our town, our factory, our office, our home. And that's not going to be easy for us. It'll be a battle and the devil won't like it. But Jesus, our Lord, has prayed for us. He has prayed that his Father will protect us so that we'll win through if we keep our focus on Jesus. Verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And then in his prayer, our Lord states that we are not of this world, just like he is not. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. We belong to God now, in a way like Jesus. Jesus is not of this world, obviously because he's the sinless son of God who came from heaven. But of course, he kindly lived in this sinful world to save us. He, he lived in the moral dirtiness of this world so that we could be clean and forgiven. And he was sent by God. He was sent by God the Father to save us. And now Jesus has made his, us his own people and then he sends us into the world to live as his disciples, to be like Jesus in a sin-spoiled world that needs to hear the gospel. So we are sent, we have been called apart for a special purpose. And so in that sense, we are distinct from the rest of the world who don't know the Lord. And then Jesus prays more in verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. 
So when the Lord says that he sanctifies himself, sanctified himself, it means that he utterly dedicated himself to saving us, obviously to the point of dying on the cross for us. And he did that so that we might be sanctified, that we might be truly sanctified. That means that now we are God's children, God's own people. He prays that God's word now will clean up our lives that we might become truly sanctified, that we might be cleaned up, in a sense, ready for heaven. So the second heading is this. Are you ready to be transformed? I hope you are. It's going to be exciting, but it's not going to be easy. We're a bit like people who have come out of prison, people who used to be criminals. But to our amazement, somebody paid for our fines and now we're free and forgiven and pardoned. We belong to God. But rather than living in a brand new area, we're now back in the neighbourhood amongst the people who led us into bad ways in the first place. We have a new way of running our home and we're working for a living now instead of stealing. But all around us are reminders and pressures of how our lives used to be. So how are we going to survive? How are we going to keep on the straight and narrow? We're grateful to be forgiven and we're grateful, so grateful for the price that was paid for us. We're amazed to be chosen and sanctified by God as his own and we have God's presence and protection. But God wants us to learn to think wisely. God wants us to make our own good choices. He wants us to learn good habits. He wants us to learn to fight sin and, and to love what is good. He wants us to develop a want for these things. Now in Philippians 2 verse 13, we're encouraged. It says, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. What God's word can do is not just tell us what is good, but it will transform us to want and to do. God's word shows us what's right, but even more, it gives us the want. In Romans 12 verse 2, it reads, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And the word of God has a very significant role in the transformation of our minds. God saves us when we become Christians. We're forgiven. We're totally and utterly, completely forgiven. But God wants us to engage in our hearts and our minds and our wills in the transformation of our lives from the inside out. God doesn't take us out of the world and put us in a place where we cannot sin, where we cannot make mistakes. That will come one day and we're looking forward to that I'm sure. That will come after we've finished our apprenticeship on earth. But he sends us back into the world where we will still be tempted but also where we will fight and win and do lots of good with his help. We are forgiven sinners and now we're in God's family, set apart for a special purpose. But we also need to learn to want and to live special, distinct and godly lives. Well, we thank God he has given us a transforming treasure. Now, Jesus has given us something very special, this great treasure. And this special treasure is now put together in a form we can use every day. We can read it, we can listen to it, we can study it. We can find hope and comfort and wisdom and advice in it. And as we use this special treasure, we'll find our thinking, our worldview transformed. We'll find that our lives will start to show the attitudes and behaviour of Jesus. You see, God's great plan for us down here on earth is that we learn and develop an inner change, a will and a want to be like Jesus. The treasure 
that is so exciting, the treasure that is so powerful to change us from the inside out is God's word, the Bible. Remember what Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, the Bible is God's word written down. The other word is scripture. And obviously from script written, the Bible is God's word written, the written word of God. God has spoken through history. He spoke creation into being and said, let there be light and so on. He speaks through things that he has made, a bit like an artist who paints a picture and we can get some insight into their skills and their personality from their artwork. There's a psalm, Psalm 19, which speaks of that about God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. God speaks through circumstances, good and bad ones, nudging us, stopping us, encouraging us. God has spoken to many people down through the years, words that were not written down. But God has spoken also through the, the writing prophets. Many of them have written down what we have in the Bible. And, and, and God has made sure that we have a book that is complete and has everything that we need. It's everything that we need to, to grow and to thrive as Christians. It includes the, the history, the poetry, the songs, the prophecies, and of course, most of all, the information about Jesus, all that we need to know. In Hebrews 1, verse 1, it reads, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. And we can see at the very top of the mountain of God speaking to us, the pinnacle of communication is Jesus, his Son, who came, the Word became flesh and taught us. And God has made sure that we have a written record of his life and teachings and the letters of the apostles who knew him and taught about him. We have a great treasure in the 66 books of the Bible. So God ensured that what was written was what we need. Now, the fourth thing is this, that it is totally necessary. God's word is absolutely essential. We need to know it. We need to know God's word to know about Jesus. To be able to become Christians, to know what the gospel is. We need it to grow as Christians and to thrive and to become more like Jesus. In Matthew 4 verse 4, Jesus, dealing with the devil, says, It is written, man shall not live by, on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 1 Peter 2 verse 2, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, of course, we're not leaving out the Holy Spirit here. We've already mentioned him and how Jesus sent him to be with us, the third person of the Trinity. Some people might say that if we have the Holy Spirit with us, we don't need to rely so much on the Bible. But we need to remember that the Holy Spirit wrote the book. In 2 Peter 1, it says about the prophets, how they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Even though people wrote down the Bible, it was the Holy Spirit who was leading them and guiding them. So that what we have in the completed Bible is the treasury of God's words. All that we need to be truly sanctified. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. It is totally necessary, God's word, and it's what we need. So, in conclusion, we need God's word totally and utterly. We need it 